Welcome to the One Meal, One Workout Podcast, your new approach to food and fitness. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler, Don Sullivan, and Mark Cockrell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Meal, One Workout, recorded February 1st, 2012. I don't know why I have something decided to start putting a date in all of them, but I am. And I'm hoping you're enjoying our continually new uh, intro music, Casually by Marty Casey and the Love Hammers. I uh, just want to give them another shout-out for allowing us to use that movie without um, any that, cost. That movie, Aaron? Did I say movie? You did. Did I, did I say? I really said movie? You said movie. Can you I get totally a confirmation, did. Don? Wow, Indeed. that's incredible. I totally thought music and the word movie came out. The problem was that I was thinking of two things at once. I was thinking about having to mute my mic so I could take a drink of my tea without getting in trouble from Mark. So, uh, <laughs> and on that note, my brain split. So, uh, speaking of Mark and Don, how are you, gentlemen? Doing well. Don, how are you? I want the honest answer, Don. Don't give me the pat answer. Uh, how are you doing? Man, I told you I wasn't going to whine on the air. I'm sick. You're sick? What, do, I, do, I, would I, do I want to ask where or how or... Uh, just low grade fever, cold, nasty, funky face mess. Okay. Just not just standard. Well. Yeah. Long yeah, above the waist, well. I'm usually pretty happy. You know? <laughs> hey, Aaron, so, should, I, should, I, that, should I mention on this show the news that I mentioned on the Tight Watch Show? You think this audience would care? Which one? Which which news in My, particular is that? The news that you and I were just talking about before we came on that the the new project I've taken on. I'm trying to be cryptic. Um, I think it, they would care. That's a okay. good, that's a, that's a good mark here. Underneath warm up, it says Mark Colon and it's blank. Let's just plug that it right in there. Okay. Well, I just, uh, uh, by way of a quasi official announcement, I have undertaken the task of writing a, uh, a book, uh, specifically an audio book. Uh, so I don't know that writing is the right word, but you kind of have to write it before you read it. But, uh, you're writing. Um, I've, seen it. I've been doing this whole podcasting thing for a couple of years now. I have a, uh, almost 200 episodes under my belt. And uh, of all the things we talk about with, with tech and education and on this show, health and fitness, the thing that I'm most often asked about is podcasting. So I've decided to write a tome on the subject. And uh, it will be probably you know a few months in the making. But it'll be everything I know and a few things I don't know about podcasting. In fact, I think that may just be the title. Everything I know and a few things I don't know. Yeah. Everything I know plus some. There you go. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, I've actually read some of the draft of it already. It's it's exciting. He's, it's going to be a pretty exhaustive, comprehensive work. I mean, you could read this or listen to this audio book um, not knowing really what a podcast even is. And by the end of it, you'd be ready to start your own. If you're crazy enough to try it. And my reasoning for doing an audio book is if you're interested in podcasting, and, and maybe maybe nobody out there is, but if you are interested in podcasting, then you're already an audio person. You're probably listening to podcasts. You're probably into radio and that sort of thing. So I, I went looking around, and all I could find are books and websites and things like that. So why would you take an audio-oriented uh, person and shove a book in their face and tell them, here, do this? So I thought I would give you a... a book about the medium in the medium that's uh, comfortable to you well you know the podcasters podcast listeners um are going to want to consume it in the medium that they're not used to consuming it in so i'm exactly. assuming that when it's all said and done you'll either 
make it available as one giant audio file, or I'm guessing probably in 30 or 40 minute segments that you could listen to like a podcast series. Exactly. This six CD set available for only four easy payments. Just kidding. <laughs> but wait, that's not all you get. You also get the Ginsu knives available to cut steel and still slice a tomato like a laser beam. Yeah. So we can't keep running these deals all day, you people. Okay, let's let the joke <laughs> die. Never mind. If you dial now, you'll get two audiobooks. <laughs> you also get how to lose fat and gain friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that's exciting. Well, uh, a while ago we had a contest, and we, we eventually had a winner for the Send Us an Italian Email contest. And that person chose as their prize a One Meal One Workout t-shirt that had yet to be designed or created. Well, it has now been designed and created. I sent the email to her last night to get her address, and I will be mailing our contest winner her very own One Meal One Workout t-shirt. And I'm wearing one right now. It hasn't even been washed yet. I'm, I'm here, sitting here thinking about what a stupid idea it was to put this on without washing it because I'm already starting to itch. But I'm going to wear it anyway so I can show Don and Mark. Uh, and so thanks to Kudos Sports. He's probably not listening, never will listen to this podcast. But I'm going to say a thanks to Kudos Sports anyway from Ryan uh, for doing such a great job. He always does a great job on my race T-shirts and stuff. So there are a few. They are in limited quantities. In fact, if you call me and ask me for one, I may not even be able to have one to sell you right now because – this is more of a prototype just to kind of see how they come out. But I've got a few. Um, so if anybody happens to want one, you could shoot me an email, and I might even just send it to you as a thanks for being willing to send me an email type thing. So anywho, that's it for that. So in the news, this is a very interesting article. And we, d we don't have a guest with us tonight. The guest that we have with us tonight is our attitude and platitudes. And so we're not in a hurry to get the guest on the phone. Uh, but I read a really interesting article. And the title of the article is, wait for this, you ready? Obesity epidemic may have peaked in U.S. So what they're saying is, uh, you know, obesity just took off in the 80s and 90s, doubling among adults, tripling among children. But now they're saying that, uh, that the proportion of American adults who are obese held steady at about 35% over the last couple of times that they've uh, polled it. They haven't really seen any change and since 03 and 04. So from 03 to 04 to 09 to 010, 010, <laughs> uh, the National Health and Nutrition Survey uh, is held at about 35%. Now, there have been um, some certain segments are still becoming more obese, and some other segments are getting less, but the overall percentage has stayed about the same. So, um, they, they Basically, the whole article, what they say at the end of it is, we don't really know what this means yet. <laughs> if you really read through the whole article, we don't really have a national strategy. Um, we're not sure what this means. We think the OPCF might have been overblown. Uh, maybe we should be thinking about being fit. I'm not sure. Well, one I, of the takes I, on I, it I saw was uh, maybe everybody who's going to get fat has gotten fat. You know, The right. number couldn't continue to grow forever. <laughs> right, we've we've maxed out. It's not that we've gotten better or or curbed it. We've just kind of gotten as fat as we're going to be able to get. Um, everybody that's not fat is already being active or whatever. So I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting article. Just the whole idea of there's some National Public Radio, so it has to be right. Exactly. Um, well, with that hypothesis, I'm glad they went with the obesity epidemic may have peaked instead of U.S. now fat as possible. <laughs> Though that probably would have drawn much much more attention. 
And I love anytime so, there's a story. I, I was just going to say, I love anytime there's a story, be uh, newspaper, magazine, television, uh, everything but radio, and for obvious reasons, uh, about obesity, they always have these random shots of fat people from the neck down. Uh, you know, you'll see a yeah. large butt walking well, they by. they can't use their faces. Right. Um, and so I think I, they're lifted right out of people at Walmart, aren't they? <laughs> could be. I often wonder how long or they hurt. have to go stand on a street corner to get that many shots. Um, uh well, it depends how fast people are coming by, because 35% of the time it'll be somebody they can take a picture of, <laughs> depending on the area. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's Which kind of ties right into our topic for tonight. It's, it's, this is going to be more, this could be a great show or a really bad show. I'm opting for a great show. Are you with me on that, guys? Of course. We, we're going to pick a great show? Okay, great. Uh, I can see that happening. I can have him say that. Because it's, it's kind of a soapbox show. It's kind of a, a little bit of a you know a discussion, kind of hashing out something and talking about it. Show a little more. This is almost a almost a periodic table topic. Could be um, we might even maybe even throw this out there Thursday night. Mark and talk about it. It'd be kind of fun because we got guys on that that show that are not um, lifelong overweight guys like oh, okay. us three. Yeah, <clears throat> but we said from the very first episode that we weren't going to be afraid of the F word on the show, and that word of course is fat. That we weren't going to make any bones about the fact that. Uh, you know, I call myself the former fat guy. I'm still big. I'm still bigger than an average guy. I'm still above the average weight of American male supposed to be. Don and Mark, both still big guys. We're all three working toward being more fit. Um, but I was flipping through the channels the other day and saw this extremely large woman. And I mean that I'm not making any kind of judgment call on it, which is apropos for our discussion tonight. She was in the nicest about, way possible, right? She was extremely large. She was 475, 800, 500 pounds, something like four, 475, 500. And There's she's no great You can go with that. Yeah. She's a, she's a fat model. She does, that's what she calls herself. She does bathing suit and lingerie photos at that weight. And there are certain guys that have a fetish for that or whatever and enjoy fat women. And that's not really the subject. But she also works with this organization that I'd never heard of. As a lifetime fat person, I'd never heard of this organization. Um. And it's called the, uh, let's see here, it is the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, NAFA. National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance. I'm just going to read you, you know, verbatim uh, who they are, what they're about. Founded in 1969, so it's been around that long, NAFA is a nonprofit, all-volunteer, civil rights organization dedicated to protecting the rights and improving the quality of life for fat people. NAFA works to eliminate discrimination based on body size and provide fat people with the tools of self-empowerment through advocacy, public education, and support. So before we even get into NAFA and what it does and if it even should exist, um, which I did not call them and ask them for an interview. We're, not, we're really not debating whether they should exist or not, but more along the lines of the kind of things that just the fact that the organization does exist brings up for discuss. Let me just throw out there, Don, Mark, have you ever felt... Let's just start with adult life first. In your adult life, have you ever felt discriminated uh, discriminated on? Is that right? Discriminated at? Discriminated near? Against, discriminated, discriminated against. Against. Thank you. I could yes. Darn prepositions. Uh, have you ever felt discriminated against due to your size? Don, let's go with you first. Uh, you really can't help but feel like there's something missing. 
whenever you go into a store and they don't, they have all these clothes and they just don't care your size. And okay, now, see, most of the time, that's as a- far as an adult, I've always just kind of put that on myself and it's never been a good feeling. I guess right. that would be what some people could call discrimination, but I mean, where's the cap on that? And you got to make money. I think that's more, and of, I understand a, that's more that. of a, yeah, that's more of a business decision almost. You right. Know, they they chose to to target a segment, just like a just like a. We don't say that big and tall stores are discriminating against skinny people. Um, exactly. So, so I know what you're saying though. So you're so it sounds like to me you're you're grasping for a place. You didn't feel on a daily basis that everybody you saw was discriminating against you because you were fat. No, there's you, nowhere that I could point to in my life and say this. This was unfair, and this is because I weighed the as much as I did. No. All right, Mark. Let's go to you now. I can think of two situations, uh, not not specific interest instances, but situations in which I felt overtly discriminated against. The first of which was uh, before I was married in the whole dating realm. Fat people were unquestionably discriminated discriminated against. Uh, in come in in the world of matchmaking and pairing, women simply do not look twice at a fat guy. Now you can you can work through the back door, you know, and you can be their friend first, and then they become you know uh, interested in you in that way. But you know, if you're in a bar, and you know I've been in many bars, um, and there's three fat guys and twenty seven not fat guys. There's obvious discrimination there against who are getting the female attention. Unquestioned. Now, do we let me, let me let's just take this and run with it for a second. Would we fall under in this situation because we're we're referencing to NAFA, who's you know trying to be an advocate for fat people? In any way, would you think? And I'm I'm asking the question: Is there any kind of legal? Is that any kind of legal discrimination at all, or is that merely a societal preference? But the word there that they use is acceptance, and that is not you are not accepted in that world when you don't fit the the norm. Extremely short people are not accepted either. You know. Now, when you say not accepted, were you excluded from the bar? Absolutely. I'm playing devil's advocate. I was excluded from social interactions in the bar. They didn't keep me out. Right, so the the barkeep was there and happy to take my cover charge, but right. the people in the bar um, clearly excluded me from their activities. It's it's so, not a col- it's not a commercial bias; it's a cultural bias. So, it, do we is there should we have a NAUA National Association of the Advanced Advocacy of Ugly Acceptance, so that if a person is just ugly, I'm being facetious a little bit, that um, that we should work to make ugly people more accepted. Uh, again, I'm yeah, I need two organizations, here. please. Yes, <laughs> I, I could be a charter. <laughs> we all do. Both. Uh, but right. the second one, commercially, uh, the well, thing before before we leave this one though, let's oh, let's. Okay. I just want to. I want to. Oh, we need a serious answer there. Sorry, complete to death. Um, no, I'm just thinking though. I understand what you're saying, but is a is a person because. Then you could say the people who are, whether they think they're crazy or not crazy, the people that are more attractive to large people, um, for whatever reason, that are they discriminating against skinny people? Or is it just a matter of preference, whether that preference is their own preference? Um, or is it a societally enforced preference? You know what I'm saying? Well, either way, I mean, whatever you want to call it, uh, there, there are certain people who are singled out, uh, and certain people who are left out. 
you know, you could say the the geeks and and the the spaz and and the the little skinny guy with the caved in chest, you know. But you ask the question: Have I ever felt discriminated against, and have felt that people have overtly been acting against me because of my size? And the answer is yes. Yeah, and I, and, and I, again, I'm playing devil's advocate because I've been in that exact same boat. <laughs> Right. You know, I've been the, I've been the fat guy in the group of guys that were all average sized, and felt like I was the least likely to 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 hook up that night. And you know, I, hook I, up, this, I, mean, I was having this conversation one time uh, <laughs> with a guy, and he said, "You know, girls are always so um, uh, upfront with you, and they talk to you, and they're friendly with you, and and you know, uh, they're guys who would kill to have that kind of access to these pretty women. What's the deal?" And I said, "Well, honestly, they know that there is zero possibility of me having sex with them." That is off the table immediately. Therefore, all the sexual tension is gone, and they are free to be comfortable with me. And that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, just let's just be honest. If you're a fatty, the odds of you having sex are almost non-existent. Period. You're going to find, uh, hopefully, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife, uh, and and that will happen. But it, you're you're out there swimming in in a sea of of infinite possibility without a paddle or a life jacket. Unless you're rich or a professional athlete or a singer or something like right. that. If you have some other thing to overshadow your your physical appearance. And that's probably true in general. And, and then you've really got to leverage that, too. If you're still in Mark's situation where you're just at the bar, no woman, unless you're, again, you got to leverage it. So you got to have on some really expensive suit or pull out this giant wad of cash yeah, got the before going, any yeah. woman sees you. Yeah, and then uh, you're dealing with a whole other can of worms there. Right. Well, I would say... In spite of that, just to just to go back and put a, a glimmer of hope for any fat guys that are out there listening, all three of us scored big time. <laughs> right, we're all married to wonderful people, but you know yeah. we didn't find them at the bar, did we? No, no, we did not. No. But I'm just saying, also, if, you're, if you're out there for, listening, you're not, thinking. Uh, go ahead, Don. What were you yeah. saying? Also, I want to say we're not uh, promoting promiscuity or anything. Since we are three married, you know, guys. And, yeah. <laughs> we're not bemoaning them, our lack of promiscuous sex. We're not. <laughs> That's a whole different show. Like tomorrow night on the periodic table. Trying to say we're uh, fat and we can't go out and have sex every night on every weekend. And yeah, no, that's not right. that's not how this works right, either. So, second situation, Mark. Number two, the one that I still now uh, the the, uh, the every now I work in education, so I work around small kids, and I walk down the halls at the elementary school, and a five year old will walk up to me and go, "You're fat." Uh, I'm not counting that because you know my standard <laughs> response to that is, "Yes, I am." Because I am, right. period. End of discussion. They're just stating the obvious. They haven't learned that they shouldn't do that yet. Um, but the the thing that pisses me off regularly and, and royally is that I am expected to pay twice the airfare that somebody else is because I'm fat. Now, I understand the logic, the bean counter logic behind it, I weigh twice as much. Airplanes are based on fuel and, and, and weight ratios. But I am one guy sitting in one seat, and they're going to charge me two tickets. That's right. discrimination overtly. It is. Indeed. Now, and what's said, funny is you have people like Kevin Smith drawing attention to that, and uh, nothing ever really happened with that as far as I know. It was in the it was in the the media spotlight there for a minute, and I think mainly because it was Kevin Smith, and it was almost kind of a, you know, behind your hand. Uh, Kevin Smith's actually putting up a fight about this. Nobody's going to take him seriously, but it's Kevin Smith. What is he doing? And everybody kind of wants to see what happened, and then nothing really ever happened. 
Well, you know, I was on the on the flip side again, kind of playing devil's advocate and just talking through this. When I was at my heaviest, <clears throat> I rode a plane, and if I would have had the money and the fourth forethought, I would have bought a second ticket in deference to the person next to me, because I was not occupying a single seat. I was occupying my seat, a third of the aisle, and a third of the person's seats next to me. So I should have paid for a third of their seat in that sense. And okay, I can't expect I, I the airline. Dis- I don't dispute that, but what if the person sitting next to me is my wife or my child, and they're perfectly comfortable with being that close? I snuggle with my wife on a daily basis. Right. No, I understand that. But what if it isn't your wife? <laughs> you know, do you have to do a wife addendum? <laughs> I'm purchasing a block of seats. If I purchase a block of seats. Uh, yeah, because that – I, I don't. Mean, hotel I can't rooms ex- don't charge me for two beds, you know, and and uh, car uh, car dealerships don't charge me for you know an extra fat fee because I I, I I spill over out of the bucket seat. It's just it's totally wrong and unacceptable. However, again, being a a capitalist, I totally get it, but that doesn't make it okay. So just again, um, I'm probably going to say five more times playing devil's advocate. If you were not flying with your wife or your child and I sat down in the middle seat and you had the inside seat next to me and or even myself doing the same thing and you in sitting down in your seat occupied part of my seat, do you not feel that then I'm being foisted upon because of uh, your situation? No, again, I paid full price for my seat. Like I said, I totally agree with the concept in terms of, of of capitalism, and I agree. And I would apologize profusely. In fact, I wouldn't fly. I don't fly for that right. very reason. Um, yeah. and, and, and it's because um, it's a situation that is unacceptable, and I get that. Right. But yeah, what I could do— you can't, I could, You're not going to pay for two tickets, and at the same time, you don't want to inconvenience somebody else, too. Right. I could fly in first class where the seats are bigger and they have more room, but they'd still charge me two tickets. You think so? I know so. Okay, I've never tried to fly first class. I've never had the. I've never even my checkbook. I, one time I said the word first class, and my computer rebooted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, again, I totally understand because I think I mentioned the show before. I had an instance where the last time I flew, when I was really big, I got on, was walking down the aisle, realized my seat was at the very end, and I got back at the end, and Don was on the inside, Mark was on the outside, and my seat was in the middle, and I just said, "Sorry, guys," and like dropped in there, and literally, it was. Um, thigh bone to thigh bone from the from the handle on the outside of the aisle to the window. I couldn't even reach down to put my seatbelt on. Didn't even try. I rode all the way to San Francisco wherever we were flying with no seatbelt because there was no way for me to unplug it. Arms crossed because I you know I had nowhere for my elbows to go and all three of us just sat there in silence like of course you can't see me nobody on the air, but imagine me sitting there in silence because that's what I'm doing. Right. And you're all and, uh, all three of you are embarrassed by the situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to ask for seatbelt extenders, you know, a couple of times. And that, that to me, is not dis- discrimination. Um, you know, where do you draw the line of, well, they discriminated against me. They didn't make the seatbelt big enough, and I had to ask for a seatbelt extender. Well, how big do you make the seatbelt before you reach the point of it's no longer di- discrimination, you know? What, you what make I do think- fit somebody with a 90-inch waist? I don't, you know, I'm just asking again, hypothetically. I, I think that there are a lot of situations where uh, social mores and business practices are behind the reality, and I think this is one of them. I mean, we, you just gave the stat: 35% of Americans are considered morbidly obese. That that means one in three people 
are not overweight. They're fat. But our society still treats us like we're the two percenters. Yeah. I would say that, that though, based upon, again, that 35% stat is on clinically obese, which I'm still technically clinically obese. And I fit comfortably in, a, in an airplane seat now because I have flown since I've lost weight. So, you know, where when do we start making things? Do we have an extra? Do we have two rows of seats that are bigger and charge them the same price and the airplane just eats the the cost that they can't have as many seats on the plane? You know, I don't know. Or do they just allow people of a certain weight to purchase one ticket but get two seats? And, you know, you have to give a voucher saying I weigh this much <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm spitballing here, trying to come up with a way for this to make this to work. I don't know, but I mean, I, and again, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Mark. Um, uh, and at the same, I'm simultaneously not agreeing with you either. I managed to sidestep the entire issue, um, but uh, now a talented man, our air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, there is no easy answer. Obviously, if there was an easy answer. Somebody would already come up with it because I, I it is discriminatory it, against those that are big. Same with people who are tall. Exactly. I'm you know, on that not, end too, you know. It's not right. cream of I'm gonna take, he's seven I'm gonna take Mark's uh, example one step further, uh, because Mark was still able to get on the plane and Aaron was still able to get on the plane and actually take their flight and go where they needed to go. Uh, and I I just remembered which I've tried to mostly block out because that was probably one of the most embarrassing times of my adulthood. But whenever I was my biggest, my wife and I went to an amusement park which has something to do with a number of uh identifiers of nationality. Six flights. and yeah, that one. And paid fifty bucks to get into the park. Yeah. And did not fit in any of the rides. Can't ride any of them. Yeah. I could not ride. I could ride one. If no one got in the seat with me, I could ride the Delonica Mine Train, which was the kids' ride. It's the little. It's the baby coaster. Right. Uh, they tried to strap me into. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't get in and 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 actually put down the safety mechanism. So I thought, well, if there's not a bar in front of me, maybe I can get on Superman. Uh, where they have the shoulder harnesses and then they flip you over and you're facing down and they sat me in the seat and they put the thing down and couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. Another guy comes over, another ride attendant comes over and they're both pushing on it together. And at this point I'm just mortified and they call over another guy and all three of them push it. Fat guy in car four, fat guy in car four, everybody to the front, please. (laughs) Yeah. The line was backing up. Everybody else is in their seats, and there's three guys working on me. And finally, all three of them push down on it, and it clicks once. And I said, I don't want to ride the ride. Because at that point, I was just so embarrassed. And I was afraid of falling out at that point because I'd never ridden a roller coaster before. So my wife and I, and my wife felt so bad for me that she didn't ride a ride either. So we spent $100 to walk from ride to ride, ride with our friends, and not do anything that day. Now, I'm six foot five. And uh, a, a year ago, weighed 500 pounds. Have either, either of you ever been to a bathroom you couldn't use? Happens to yeah. me fairly often. Uh, can't fit through the door of the stall sometimes, you know? Yeah, I have. In fact, that was one of my fears when I we went on our cruise <laughs> at my largest weight. I was afraid we were going to get there, and I literally would not be able to use the bathroom in our cabin. Um, luckily, though, you could actually leave the bathroom door open. You know, I could sit, and my knees were actually out of the bathroom door. But I was able to use the bathroom in our cabin because of that fact, because we could just close the cabin door and I could sit with my knees out in the hallway. Um, but yeah, and I actually had the exact same experience down at, at Six Flags in Dallas. Um, could, I, I waited in line for an hour to ride the Batman ride, which is the same kind of thing, a standing harness. 
and couldn't get it up, couldn't get my shoulders inside the thing and the harness over the thing and had to take the walk of shame. So, you know, I don't know if, uh, if NAFA uh, is, that's what they're concerning themselves with because that's more design discrimination in some degrees as opposed to direct personal discrimination. I guess that maybe they, maybe they have a, maybe they have a clear delineation on there. I don't know. Um, they are, and it seems, again, I wasn't, didn't contact them and talk to them directly, but it seems like they're advocating the acceptance of people being fat versus the inclusion and the, uh, uh, what's the word? What do they call it when you, and when you, the in- inclusion is the only word I can think of. It's when you mainstream special needs kids. Or that's kind of a similar idea. The integration, I guess, of fat people into society in general. I personally am against. Accommodate. Accommodation, yeah, is another. There you go. That's what, that's what they call in Georgia, anyway. Yeah, I'm a, I'm against the idea of accepting the fact that people are fat, and I'm not saying that right. Let me try to say it again. Maybe one of y'all can say it better for me. Well, I, I, if, I think I can articulate what you mean. Uh, thank you. Mark. Un, unlike um, being. Ex- incredibly tall or being uh, a little person or uh, being blind or being born deaf, fatness is something you did to yourself. Most and, of the time. And so um, it's understandable that people say you're paying the price for your own behaviors. Just like if a crackhead, you know, uh, goes insane and blows his brain out, you, you kind of you feel bad about it and you say it's a tragedy, but you also say he did it to himself. Yeah. Well, I was kind of going a little bit different point though. What I, my point is, I would like to think that I accept fat people as a person and I value them as a person and I accept them for who they are and where they're at and I have been one and am one still. But I don't think we should accept the fact that we should encourage people to accept the fat, fact that they're fat and that that's just who they are and that's what they're always going to be. Just take away the whole idea that I could be healthier and fitter. You I think know, you're saying that, that whole, they're trying to eliminate the consequences. Well, being th- fat. there's a, there's been a couple of famous um, musicians and, and actors and stuff who've come out and said, I'm just a fat person and I'm proud of it. And that's just who I am. And I'm embracing the fact that I'm fat. And that sounds good on paper, but I don't think you should embrace the fact that you're fat or maybe well, I would embrace instead the fact that you that you need to make some changes. Maybe you know what I mean. That, that you not maybe to address some things in your life. And again, I I'm think, not saying it very well. I think everybody sitting here at this podcast, and and probably anybody listening to this podcast, knows that's a lie. People Which who one? are that fat are not happy about it. They can pretend no. to be, but they're not. Right. So we have a whole organization that's encouraging them to pretend. Right. That that whole organization is is a, a group of liars. <laughs> like I put in my original notes, which it didn't make it into this, is. Uh, I think this, the the possible title for the show the show was it's just not it's not just a river in Africa anymore denial you know right. uh, yeah so what kind of got me stirred up about this group um, even to mention them and to talk about it is in Georgia right now they're they're doing this thing called Strong for Life I think we've actually talked about it on the show it's an anti obesity program uh, and they've done some pretty graphic response ads trying to encourage parents to take responsibility for their kids and just making people aware of the childhood obesity problem. And so 
it's it's some pretty poignant ads, like you know, kids looking around in the camera and saying, "Mom, why am I fat?" You know, asking that question and things like that. So they have uh, got another article here. I'll I'll try to throw it in the show notes. It says, uh, "Fat activists," which that that just sounds crazy to me. Marilyn Wan's graphic response to the fat hating ads. Fat hating, I, you know, just that whole idea. I don't know. Uh, is the I stand ad campaign. And so she's encouraging people to look in a photo and say what they stand for and take a picture of their fat selves and send it in. They're doing, they've got a Fat Kids United website um, celebrating healthy, happy children of all sizes. Stop weight bigotry. Health at every size. But they're not healthy. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're in denial again, like I said, or just pretending that it's, that it's not an, an issue to be overweight. That they're setting themselves up for a lifetime of health issues, you know. Um, even if even if they can pretend to be healthy at twenty, at fifty, they're most likely not going to be ninety-five percent chance. But, um, I don't know. Yes, obviously, even just between the three of us, we've all had instances where we felt discriminated against, left out because we were overweight, fat. Um, but at the same time, I think. Entire organizations and uh, movements attempting to say it's okay to be fat, to in- accept and embrace your fatness. I, don't, I think that's just not positive. Uh, I, I consider myself uh, a recovering food addict. I've had a lifelong addiction of food where I eat too much. I eat for wrong reasons. I eat when I shouldn't, what I shouldn't. If I was an alcoholic, nobody would say, well, Aaron, just embrace your alcoholism. It's okay, you know. You know, alcohol advocate Aaron Butler today in his blog, you would you would you would just think that was crazy because it's unhealthy and it's, you know, and it's just not accepted in society, but being overweight is one of the even though we see discrimination against fat people, it's still one in some degrees, at least to some level until we reach, you know, extremes, socially accepted to some uh, to some level. There's fat businessmen that are successful, there's fat musicians, fat actors, and there's there's no there's a level of that that's accepted, but you don't see many um, people out there who I guess are willing to stand up and say that like NAFA they're they're saying I mean I have a hard time formulating thoughts. That's what happens when you have a twelve hour work day and then try to come home and do a podcast. Uh, they are they're they're saying that. A, they're trying to help people not be discriminated against and for fat people to be treated equally. A, that's that's positive, good. But B, they're also want, advocating the acceptance of being fat. And I think I mean, the whole point of the show is encouraging people who are not fit and healthy to try to be more fit and more healthy to whatever level they can do that. So, I don't know. Is Well, what might... Let, let me frame this in a, in a different way. Um, I, as I've mentioned before, I come from a, uh, a long line of fat people. My grandmother was a fat people until she got old um, and had some health issues. And due to having half her stomach removed, basically, and being unable to eat so much, uh, she lost a lot of weight. That then put her on a crusade to see to it that everybody else loses weight. Okay, and when I was uh, seven, eight, nine years old, she mm-hmm. literally said to me, her exact words, "Where I'm going to shame you into losing weight. I'm doing you a favor by shaming you." And so she'd made every opportunity to um, 
berate me, to make fun of me, to point out the fact that I was fat, because she thought that if she made me feel bad enough, I would lose weight. So when you talk about acceptance of being overweight, that's I think that's what this NAFA organization is fighting against. The people who think it's open season on fat people. It's the last legal discrimination. It's the last thing it's okay to make fun of. You can't make fun of gays anymore. <laughs> you can't make fun of midgets anymore. You can't, right. ma- can't make fun of women anymore. You can't make fun of blacks anymore. But fat people, the they're to? fair game. <laughs> In fact, on their, their page called The Issues, they have a, one, of their, one of their links that says, why do people participate in size discrimination? They believe stigma and shame motivate dieting and other attempts at weight loss. And that's exactly what your grandmother was talking about. And I'm not an advocate of that. And I can 31 guarantee, years later, I'm still fat. That didn't right. work. I guarantee you that that would never, in fact, that would make me want to go eat more because I would feel so bad. Exactly. Um, Indeed. And uh, they, But they also say in the same sentence, why do people participate in size discrimination? They believe people fail to lose weight because of poor self-discipline and willpower. Sometimes that is the case. That was my case. I failed to lose weight because of poor self-discipline and not willpower, just discipline, self-discipline. I just made bad choices and didn't really care. Um, so it's definitely a fine line. And maybe there is a place for NAFA out there. And I say NAFA because there's two A's. Um, but I guess what, I'm, what I was seeing is the whole um, being resigned to being fat. Does that make sense now? That's the word I've been looking for. Right. I'm just resigned to being fat. I'm fat. I'm always going to be fat, and I'm just fat. And you all just need to get over it and accept me the way I am, and I'm always going to be fat, and just I'm fat. And I don't think that's a healthy attitude. I think that's a, a defeatist attitude, and I think anybody that kind of gets in that place ends up feeling worse about themselves. You know, um, like my friend Mike, he was on episode something, 10, 12, 15. Uh, who had the gastric bypass, he got to that place. I remember remember the story where he said, um, I'm just going to keep eating like I'm eating, and then one day I'm going to die. And then he realized, you know what, maybe I won't die. Maybe yeah, I'll the worst thing that could happen is I don't die. Yeah. Right, I'll get 600 pounds, 650 pounds, 700 pounds. Then I have to have somebody to, to take care of me because I can't even take care of my own my own uh, bodily hygiene and things like that. And I end up in, or maybe I have a stroke and I end up partially paralyzed, then I'm a burden to my family. And, and so... Um, that finally snapped him out of it. But at one point, he had gotten to that place where he had just resigned himself to being fat. Um, so, I don't know. Um, well, and it's kind of like Aaron's saying, it's something, it's almost like, you know, you want to put somebody in rehab for drinking because nobody goes around and says, I'm just a drunk. Well, few people do. Uh, more people just don't accept <laughs> it. Uncle Bo does. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's almost like, but it's a health issue. I mean, it's not just like, um, you know, you drink and then you get sober again, and then you can just be sober. You can't just not be fat. We said this on the show a bunch of times. You can't just stop eating. It's almost like somebody has cancer. Nobody ever says, I have cancer, and it's great. And I'm not doing chemo because chemo is my discrimination. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm embracing my cancer. That doesn't happen. You're, you're unhealthy, and you're going to die. And that's the reality. But at the same and time, using the same eight or twenty-eight or fifty-eight, you're fat and you're going to die. Using the same analogy of alcoholism, Don, uh, uh, we have largely, not entirely, but largely taken the stigma away from being an alcoholic. People can will will admit openly that they're an alcoholic. You, they're in a so, social function and and somebody offers them a drink. No, I can't do that. I'm alcoholic. Um, we've taken the shame away from that. 
but we haven't made it okay to be an alcoholic. We still, uh, society, everybody knows, including the alcoholics, know that they need to change that behavior. But it's not right. uh, socially unacceptable to admit to it anymore. And I think if I'm ha- if I had to put words in the mouths of the f- the founders of this organization, that's what they're trying to do. They want to take the stigma away from it, while not necessarily saying it's okay. Maybe they are saying it's okay, but <laughs> yeah, let's the pretend they're not. Stuff so kind of says yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it, it, they're walking the fine line, and, and it's uh, it, it's, it is a um, it is a uh, it is a touchy issue. It's tough. I mean, th- how do you tell um, you know, a, a fat kid of which I was one that he should really that it would be better for him and better for his life and health if he would lose weight, but at the same time make him feel good about himself the way he is. It's tough. Um, you know that's that's a tough thing to even do. Uh, so I, I I don't know how to do it. I, I didn't know how to do it when I was the fat kid. I didn't. I I felt you know I had body issue, body image issues, and um, but at the same time didn't care enough about it to not eat, and it wasn't enough to to shame me like you're talking about, Mark, into not being, um, you know, oh. And the losing uh, weight, a better, a better, a better yeah, uh, make smarter choices, right? Uh, and I think the yeah. other side of this that we haven't talked about, and and I'll go ahead and put this out there because I've kind of been bashing NAFA for the majority of the show here, is NAFA. if you're an alcoholic, NAFA. If you're an alcoholic, you know somebody doesn't sit next to you or across from you on a bus and say that guy looks like an alcoholic. You know, if you have cancer, unless you have been doing chemo and you lost all your hair, nobody says check out that cancer patient, but they sure as heck will sit next to you and say, that guy's fat. You know, yeah. like Mark said, walking down the hallway at school, that little kid will walk up and point and say, you're fat. And it's funny that it has the stigma that it does whenever it's one of the few things that you can just tell from somebody just looking at them. Yeah, there's no rhyme. Alky, alky, two by four, stumbles on his way through the door. You know, they, uh, we don't make a, a big deal about alcoholism in that same way. Uh, but at the same time, it's not as obvious, you know, unless right. the guy is slobbering drunk. You can't know he's an alcohol uh, alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he just right. had a good night. He got a new job and he decided to go party it up or something. You don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because you can't be socially fat. You can be socially drunk, but you can't be socially fat. Yeah. Well, here, this is interesting too. On NAFA's website, they have a thing called HAES, Health at Every Size. They support the principles of this and they say – um there, these principles are aligned with our mission of protecting the rights and improving the quality of life for fat people. I'm, and I'm for both of those things. But instead of focusing on weight as a measurement of health, the, the HAES approach removes weight from the equation and replaces it with a focus on overall well-being, which includes the full range of body shapes and sizes. I'm okay with that, too. You know, we talked about the BMI, how messed up it is in a lot of ways and uh, and that kind of thing. But under the general principles, then, the first one's accepting and respecting the diversity of body shapes and sizes, and I can I can recognize that. Not everybody needs to look exactly the same. I am not going to probably ever weigh 180 pounds, which is what the government says I should weigh. Don't ever plan to. Um, pro- promoting all aspects of health and well-being for people of all sizes. That's great. Then the last one kind of makes me go, well, promoting individually appropriate, enjoyable, life-enhancing physical activity rather than exercise that is focused on a goal of weight loss. So it doesn't say they're not promote they're against exercise with a goal of weight loss, but they're not going to promote it. They're going to promote 
enjoyable life enja- life enhancing physical activity. Ping pong. Yeah, I don't know. You're not going to lose a lot <laughs> of weight playing say, ping pong, but it's enjoyable. I was going to say right. you're a little limited whenever you get in the upper ranges of stuff. I know this from experience. If you're 350 okay. pounds, you're going to have a hard time getting out there and running because I sure did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I know for me, um, you know, I was a, a lot of our listeners may or may not know. Um, in fact, that's almost guaranteed they will or will not know this. But uh, I was a youth pastor for many years and did quite a bit of public speaking, you know, in, in front of my youth group, other youth groups, churches, uh, youth camps, things like that. And almost without exception, every time I got up in front of a crowd of people to talk, my own weight was something that I was would come at least at the initially be in my head at the beginning of it. You know, I'd be concerned about my clothes being sloppy because you know the you know fat slob goes together. Exactly. Uh, uh, so, you know that I was totally confident in my ability to do the task. You know, I was confident in my ability to get up and do what I was being tasked to do, whether it's in professional or or uh, uh, church setting, but. It was one of those kind of things where I hoped that my appearance didn't shout louder than my message. You know, I didn't want people focusing on the fat guy whose shirt tail was hanging out or had the food on his shirt or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, and I think we all have that worry. Uh, and I, I honestly wonder in my day to day interactions, is that how people see me? Do they see me as Mark or do they see me as fat Mark? And, and I really right. don't know the answer to that. Well, I can't tell you, Mark, because I have been and still are to some degree a fat guy myself, so I don't tend to see fat people that way. I also don't tend to see tall people as tall because my best friend all through junior high and high school was Steven, who's 6'5". So 6'5 is just about average height. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you have to be taller than 6'5 before I start thinking you're tall. And one of my great friends now, Joshua, is 6'5". So that's just kind of like average height for me, 6'5". I don't, I don't really think about being um, that being tall. Uh, yeah. It's funny now, um, I've had a few people still say things to me like, hey, you know, see you later, big guy, or, you know, in a cordial kind of way. And I almost want to say, hey, I have worked a year and a half to not be big guy anymore. Can you at least say, <laughs> see you later, not quite as big guy, or yeah, something, something, give else. me a bone here. <laughs> What'd you say, Mark? Pick something else, right? Yeah, anything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing. So, um, I don't know. Obviously, we're on, on a podcast with three laymen here um, who have no formal education about fat or fitness other than a lifetime of being one. I don't know that we can come up with a, um, a quintessential answer of the whole issue tonight. Obviously, we can't since um, nobody else has been able to. I was just curious as kind of where it hits you guys, where, where NAFA and discrimination kind of hit your heart. Um, I never really felt... Other than the social boyfriend girlfriend thing that Mark was talking about, I didn't really feel nothing comes to mind. Other times of being kind of excluded, discriminated against for being fat, um, growing up, you know, I, my, I felt like my friends accepted me, didn't think of me as their fat friend Aaron. Uh, I felt like in college I wasn't that the fat trumpet player Aaron. I didn't, I didn't really associate myself as being the big guy. Uh, and but there are all there are all those times uh, throughout your life where you have those those moments that you dread, 
You know, those things that you know are coming, like in band when it's time to have the uniforms handed out. I'm yeah. sure you dreaded that day. So yeah. maybe you didn't feel um, discriminated against, but you knew that it was going to be an ordeal that you didn't want to go through. Oh, going to get a tux. Right. There's a good one. Going to get a tux, you know, uh, and having the person have to have me hold the tape so they can walk around me to the other side and then the tape not even touching the front, you know, and then having to hold the tape and then make another thing to measure across because they're, uh, they're, you know, five foot tape, whatever, it wouldn't go around me. You're a 48 inch tape or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah, that, those are not fun. Um, going to the doctor and getting on the 350 pound mechanical scale. And, and knowing actually, it will measure you. And then, and then telling them I weigh more than 350 pounds and just not even getting on it, you know. Yeah, those things. I don't know that I ever felt discriminated against. I, I think I felt shamed, but I shamed, I felt, I didn't, I never felt judged by the nurse or judged by Guido at the, at the tuck shop. It was more uh, self-shaming. Maybe that's what NAF is trying to do, make me feel better about myself in those situations than just accept the fact that at that moment I'm fat and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I don't know. Maybe we can try to get somebody from NAF on the show. That'd be awesome. We could ask them this question. What are you really trying to do? You're trying to say it's okay to be fat? Is it, that, I guess that's the ultimate question. Is it okay to be fat? Is fat an accepted, normal state in the United States now that if you're fat and you're happy, don't even worry about changing it. Don't worry about trying to be, quote, unquote, healthier. And everybody else should just accept you the way they are and suck it up. I guess that's the ultimate question. And I think it's obvious by the fact that the three of us are in a, a health and fitness podcast. None of us agree that being fat is okay. Right. <laughs> we all want to change that. It's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Our fat's okay. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I want to stay this way forever. You know, um, I... I tongue-in-cheek, you know, tentatively titled this show, Does This Fat Make Me Look Fat? <laughs> you know, because we're so health, so so uh, appearance conscious. But um, I don't know. I, I, I Hopefully, somebody out there listening, if we have anybody out there listening to this podcast and everybody doesn't cut it off after the first three minutes of me battling and not being able to make a complete sentence, then it's made made a few people think about NAFA and uh, – and their acceptance of people who are overweight in case they're – because I know we have some people who are actually runners and things like that that listen to the show as well that aren't – not everybody that listens to the show is overweight. Um, so, well, so any, let any me, final comment? Let me Go pose ahead, a question then to our audience. Uh, okay. this, is, this is a listener assignment. Um, what is the proper worldview for a guy like me who's 450 pounds? How should you look at me? What is the appropriate way to do it? I, I would like to know. Let us know. Contact us. Send Aaron an email. Uh, make a forum post. Something. I want to know what you think is the proper way. What is the way that you should you would teach your children, and that you more more than that would codify into law? If you could write a law that everybody had to follow, what would it be? I have a thought in our last few minutes here because I don't think we're running real long, but I don't want to belabor the point. What if we were to just real quick for fun draw an analogy? between smoking and eating. Smoking and eating. You know, do we look at smokers and think, uh, and do we judge them or do we think it would be better for them if they didn't smoke? I don't think anything negative of a smoker. I don't think they're weak because they're smoking because I know how addictive it is and it's a choice they made at some point and, and now they're probably fighting to try to break that choice. Most people that I know that smoke wish they could quit. I don't know of anybody that smokes 
there probably are people, but I don't know of anybody personally that smokes that isn't wanting to quit or hasn't tried to quit. Just like I don't know of any fat people personally that haven't, wouldn't rather be thinner or more healthy and haven't tried to be thinner and more healthy. So, Mark, take that analogy. Don, we all take that and... Well, I, I mean, actually think there, uh, there is a lot of disdain for smokers. They're, they're, you know, referred to as, you know, it's a nasty habit. It's disgusting. And people complain about the fact that they can't walk into a public building because people are standing around the entrance smoking. So maybe that is a very acceptable, uh, analogy. But I would again say that, that you can't tell if somebody's a smoker from a hundred feet away in the dark. You know, when, uh, if they, unless they have a cigarette lit up, right? Well, you can't tell if, if I'm so say, dark if it's in the dark, then, then you'll see that. <laughs> it depends on how dark it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, what's this looming darkness within the darkness? It yeah. has to be a fat person. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Something is blocking out the moon. So it's a, it's a, it, well, I think it may be as close an analogy as you can get. I don't think it's a fair analogy because, um, uh, smoking is, annoying and obnoxious to some people and disgusting but only for short periods of time um and other people i know i mean i have had people tell me uh, f to my face that i disgust them you know just but my very being uh and so well, that would be a that'd be a thing to mention during the discrimination discussion earlier <laughs> well yeah <laughs> oh by the way i've had people tell me to my face i disgust them <laughs> yeah I, I would say that would fall in that category and what, what was, if you don't mind me asking and, and probing a wound, how, what was the context of that? I mean, was it, is it just a random person walked up to you and say, you disgust me and walk off or? Um, yeah, it's actually happened a couple of times, uh, but, uh, uh, social situations, you know, um, I finally work up the nerve to ask a girl to get dance and that was her response. No, you disgust me. Ah, that's a nice one. Which, you know, maybe I, not I, I dance with her very much anymore. Yeah, the, the the at least the one of the girls that I asked was nice enough to say, "I'm going to the dance already, and you're going to the dance already, so I'll just see you there." Right. <laughs> Thanks for letting me down so easy. I don't. I feel right. so fine about that now. I'm perfectly happy with that response. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, going back to your smoking analogy, uh, would it be okay to make a law? that says you can't be fat in the city limits of Dallas? Because they're working on a law that says you can't smoke in the city limits of Dallas. So if we equated those two things, would it be socially acceptable to make a law that says you can't be fat in the city limits of Dallas? If you're you can't fat, be fat in a restaurant. If you're, if you're fat, could jump from one person to another if you got too close to them. Right. Yeah, there's no such thing <laughs> as secondhand fat. Right. Nobody's ever blown <laughs> cholesterol in my face. I'm not throwing my food at people in the restaurant as I'm trying yeah. to eat, yeah. Right, but yeah, that's, that's a good that's a good point. That's probably where the analogy diverges. Um, but we do discriminate against smokers as far as we won't let them smoke on a plane, we won't let them smoke in a restaurant, you know, that kind of thing. So I was just just wondering if that would be similar. So anyway, so, if you have so the analogy think, there would be that fat people can't eat at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what I said. Yeah. But it's, I've seen uh, some people eating yeah, at restaurants that I wish I didn't see. <laughs> There's definitely no perfect analogy for it, because uh, again, you you can stop smoking, you can just quit, but you can't stop eating, you can't just stop being fat, you can't, um, you know, you can't tell somebody they can't be fat within the city limits of Dallas, and and um, there's there's no perfect analogy, so it's definitely that Dallas, its own piece, and maybe that's <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's that's why NAFAs exists and and tries to 
to push this thing because there's there's not really anything else out there like that. Is it getting more sheep-like to anyone else? It's, <laughs> nah. Sorry, that's just... <laughs> nah. <laughs> I've ruined my own point. <laughs> yeah, uh, so if you're, if you're out there listening and you're yelling at the yelling at your iPod, Aaron, you're an idiot, or uh, Mark, you should pay for two seats, or Don, I can't believe you sound like a sheep, um, whatever... You're yelling at the iPod. Don't just yell at the iPod. Take 30 seconds. Send us an email, double A-R-O-N at one com. Go to the forum to elementop.com uh, and, and let us know what you really think about this. Because this is, I mean, this is a obviously a topic that's very close to home for all three of us right. and something that I really want to understand in my own heart. I, I would like to think that I don't, uh, I am not prejudiced against a fat person. Um, you know, I went and visited uh, Mark over when was that mark over the summer the fall yes. right it was the fall yeah and and you know you were saying how people see you oh, i saw you i didn't think hey there's fat mark you know i thought there's mark i didn't be honest with you i didn't think at all about anything um other than the fact that you didn't have any shoes on i think when you came to the door that was the only thing i noticed i don't know why i noticed that but <laughs> mark doesn't have any shoes on no just something that's came to, uh, i don't wear shoes in my own house either if you came to my house almost without a doubt i will not have shoes on um it was kind of funny. So if you if you have an attitude, a, an issue, a question, or a thought along that, I would love to hear it because I'm an advocate of people being healthier. Um, and it just so happens that most of the time to be healthier, you need to shed some of the pounds. I'm really not as worried about the weight. You know, I use weight to track my improving health as opposed to an arbitrary number that I'm trying to get to. And I think all three of us are in that boat. Um, I really don't care what my final goal weight is if I feel healthy and fit and able to do what I want to do. Uh, who was that? Was it um, Seth uh, Jason Carver, one of our guests on the show? He said his definition of fitness was being able to go do what I want to do when I want to do it, whatever that may be. And um, so that's kind of what I'm shooting for. So, Don, if you were going to try to help somebody, this is a smooth big market segue, trying to help somebody eat better, what would be one of the meals that you might recommend to someone? Well, you know, Aaron, I, my wife and I have been doing some Weight Watchers. We've been doing the Weight Watchers, and uh, we found an excellent you're recipe hater, on huh? WeightWatchers.com. I'm sorry? I said, are you a fat hater? You're kind of doing Weight Watchers, that, that anti-NAFTA organization? Uh, NAFTA. Yeah, it's, they <laughs> should call it Fat Watchers because that's, that's all they're doing. Anti-fat type, yeah. Just pointing out all that fat on you. Yeah. Uh, they have a delicious recipe for uh, slow cooker red bean sausage and rice soup. And now I will say, I'm not a red beans and rice person. And this is, this is, whenever I saw the recipe, I thought that was what this was. And it's not quite, it's more of a rice soup or rice stew um, that has red beans in it and has good sausage in there as well. Um, and I know a lot of times folks think that healthy food is not. Tasty, delicious. Uh, there's not a lot of flavor to it. This one, you can really throw in some flavor. It's got chicken-based sausage in the recipe, but you can actually swap that out for andouille if you would like to get some spicy in there. You can also throw some uh, cayenne pepper in there. Uh, there's some good spices, and it's great. I will say to definitely read the notes uh, and get the converted rice because the rice can end up being mushy, and you may even want to just throw the rice in for like the last... 30 minutes or hour um, if you're really anti-smooshy rice 
and make sure your rice still has good texture. But other than that, it is a delicious, delicious recipe. And I don't like, I don't mind, um, soupy rice. So it worked out great for us. I thought it was fine the way it was. So, but just letting folks know to try it a different way if they're not that type of a person. Wasn't he a, a 50s comedian soupy rice? Oh, that was soupy sale. Sorry. Totally random. Close. Useless comment. So I'll have to try that. I love red beans and rice and sausage and things that are cooked slowly. Uh, so anything, any, that's hit all my, my, all my, uh, hot buttons of things that I like. So excellent. we're big slow cooker people. We love our crock pot as, as some folks refer to it in the South. Uh, and it it's, it's great pot. to just throw all this stuff in there and, uh, just let it cook all day and come home and smell a delicious, delicious meal, just especially on blustery 80 degree days in the wintertime. Like it was here in Southeast Georgia today. Yeah, going with the everything in moderation mindset. Just yesterday we had, uh, uh, country ribs cooked in the slow mm-hmm. cooker. Throw, grab some country ribs, throw them in the slow cooker, pour some barbecue sauce on it, hit it low, and come back ten hours later, and they're awesome. And it took zero effort. Um, little fatty, but chase it with some with lots of broccoli and good veggies, and you're good to go. Nice. I don't know yeah, that it's a healthy we, recipe, but it just came to my mind. <laughs> well, uh, I think. Anything, anything you can come up with a healthy recipe that's easy is a win-win because one of the one of the main complaints I hear from people when they say about trying to eat healthier is it's too hard, it's too much work, it's so much effort, and it really isn't. It takes a little more effort to find um, some decent recipes sometimes, but it's not really any more difficult uh, when it comes right down to it. So, uh, Mark, I've already I've already taken half of your thunder, so I'm going to take the rest of it before you can give the night off. ElementOP.com is where you can go to find the forums, all the other wonderful podcasts that are on the Element OP network. And that's Element as in the periodic table and OP as in Taylor. Uh, we have forums there. You can check out some of the other podcasts, like I already mentioned. Or you can just go to OneMillionWorkout.com, which will also lead you back to that wonderful website. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and find out what your, what your take on this subject is. This, is. this isn't something we're going to discuss a lot. Uh, we all kind of fall to some degree on the same side of the fence, obviously, because we all want to be healthier um, for ourselves and for our families. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a subject worth discussing. And so, um, yeah, that's it, I think. Don, Mark, you have anything to – any final thoughts on that, or are you done? Are you are you like the, the crock pot of red, red bean sausage and rice? You're done. Well, I just will say one thing. You were saying that uh, if you're yelling at your MP3 player and want to send us – uh, feedback. Yes. If you happen to be using the Element OP app, you could do it right there from the app while listening. Awesome. Or if you go Dude. to elementop.com, there's a button up in the right-hand corner. You can click it, put in your phone number, uh, and Element OP will call you. OP will call you, and you can leave a voicemail, or you can dial 559-I-AM-OP. I-M-O-P. Yes. Uh, 559-I-AM-OP, and leave us a voicemail, and we will play it on the air. Yes, we will. Um, and that's about it. I think that's it, guys. So remember, before starting any diet or exercise program and attempting to shake off a few pounds, it's important that you consult your health care provider. The boss